Welcome to the Beer and Loathing Podcast, ladies and gentlemen, the show that lets you get drunk with people you didn't know you wanted to get drunk with. I'm Samuel Sly, and uh, today, unfortunately, Pete was not able to join us. Hopefully, he'll be able to hop on at some point, but uh, right now, it's just myself and Laura, who organizes the Big Beers, Belgians, and Barley Wines Festival. Laura, welcome back. Thank you so much. Delighted to join you, and as we were saying, it's the first time since we moved to Breck, so this is super cool. Yeah, this will be. A, I think this will be a fun show to talk, especially since uh, we'll have you after the after the festival's over. So uh, you won't necessarily be in prep mode. You're in wind down mode at this point. Serious recovery, yes, indeed. <laughs> How was the recovery from this year's show? Uh, no, no major bruising or anything afterward. Just, just uh, kind of a down download of everything. Um, well, we, you know, we had just a few, what I call pianos that fall out of the sky. Um, and those are the things you can't prepare for, you know, the things that just happen and you have the privilege of dealing with them. Um, but they were, they were few and, um, and I think, I think we handled them as, as well as could possibly be asked. And, and I was grateful for the additional falling rock team support and, um, really our, our staff was phenomenal this year. So, yes, much gentler um, crash, I, I guess you could say. Smaller I did not pianos. get super sick, yes, exactly, which I often do at the end of Big Beers, just from, you know, so many weeks of pushing. So it was it was a good recovery and, and interesting to, to look at the comparison between the two years. Yeah, let, uh, let's talk a little bit about that since, uh, you know, as you mentioned, uh, you know, this will be our first show since you've moved the, the festival to Breck. You know, in all the years prior, it was in Vail, Colorado, and um, last year we spoke to you uh, leading up. I think we, we actually talked to you about a week before the show actually went down, so um, mm -hmm. I'm sure there was all sorts of logistical whatever's going on at that point since you're going to new right. venues, new, a whole new city in general. Um, you know, kind of right. what's, what's been your impressions after moving the festival to Breck for these last two years? Well, um, I'll be curious to hear your impressions, too. I think that Overall, Breckenridge is a um, a way of life in a community that is much more closely aligned with what Big Beers is in terms of the loose, the laid back, the engagement. Um, you know, we we got used to kind of doing things in a little bit less laid back way, so we're kind of adapting a little bit in that way too. But it's really nice to be able to walk to to Main Street really nice to have all of the various um, transportation options um, available to us and um, still be able to retain that ski in, ski out part that seems to kind of be part of the DNA of Vail, yeah. or sorry, of Big Beers. And, um, and now we're, you know, kind of trying to, to retrofit some of the pieces that we're missing and figure out how to, how to provide those opportunities. But I think in general, other than the fact that I can't work out of my house, which is a bummer for me, <laughs> yeah. I think everything else seems to be a pretty good fit. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, both years, uh, I, I, I'd been to Vail two years. I mean, I've been mm -hmm. out in Colorado for five-ish now. Um, so I did get to experience the festival in its old location. And um, I think the, I mean, the, the organization is always spectacular, um, you know, where Thank the you. sessions are and... Uh, I should say the sessions themselves, like that's always been a favorite thing of mine. And the commercial tasting is, is just out of this world because everyone's bringing, you know, non-standard beers. So you're getting some really cool, um, different, uh, you know, beers from the breweries. 
And I think the biggest thing I noticed uh, the first year when it was in brick was the switch up to it being two levels. Um, mm-hmm. And, it, you know, yep. it, it, at the time it didn't bother me. I was trekking my gear up and down. Um, but <laughs> the, the funniest thing to me was the next day, I'm like, why are my legs so sore? And I realized, you know, I'm schlepping <laughs> 25 pounds of camera gear up and down stairs. So this year, um, in anticipation of that, I kind of tried to plot my time out a little bit better so I wasn't going back and forth between the base or, you know, the lower level and the upper level. Um, right. But, um, well, and having the new app this year maybe made it possible for you to plan a little farther in advance. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I, I'm not one for planning, so even the, I did download the app and I kind of scanned like where everyone was, so I had kind of an idea of like, all right, I can anecdotally kind of figure out, all right, these are the brews I'm going to try to hit and try to remember who's upstairs, who's downstairs. And right. I mean, usually I'm just wandering around anyway, sampling a few beers and just trying to talk to people who are interested in talking on camera so I can do some interviewing and just do my usual nonsense. But um, I think I caught you in, in, in passing this past year and, and I said it there and I'll say it again as, you know, fantastic organization as usual. And I thought everything flowed just fantastically again. So you know, great oh, well, job on, on that. It's, this is still, you know, me and Slot, my other like, kind of beer friends that I talk to, this is our the one we look forward to the most because of the sessions and the great beers and just the cool atmosphere that it that it fosters. So I think I think it's oh, still well, going thank excellently. You. Thank you. I think um, in retrospect, going back in history a little bit further, we had at one point in Vail, we had had at the Cascade, we had upstairs, downstairs. Oh, okay. And nobody ever loves that. Yeah. Um, but to be able to have the ski in, ski out option and to be in a town that's so receptive and to have that, you know, walking back and forth option in town, which is something they didn't have before. I think if we can continue to improve that navigation technique between the floors, um, I think people will, will end up being happier. They just have to get used to it. Yeah. You know, and it's a lot of times it can be just the, the change involved, you know, how before I didn't have to walk up and down, but I'd argue, you know, walking up and down the floors a few times, you know, burns off some of those calories. And I mean, I don't ever feel like the lines are that long at any of the booths either, either, you know, it's, I, I don't Good. ever feel like I'm waiting forever to get to a beer or to a brewery. Um, Good. And, you know, well, I, we, we try to spread it out so that there's no like one area that's the cool kids. Yeah. We want to make sure that, that there's no, um, no better and no lesser space within the whole tasting. So that if you're upstairs, there's awesome and amazing and you've never heard of it and there's familiar in Colorado and there's, you know, at, and, and if you're downstairs, there's there's also equally cool, amazing selection. So that's one of our, one of our challenges is to try to make that work. Yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's working in that sense because, I mean, the flow feels good. It's, it never really feels crowded despite the fact that there are, are a very good amount of people there. It's you know it's not it's it's small by some standards. I mean anything small compared to JBF, but I mean it, mm-hmm. it's yeah. it's not huge, but it's not tiny, and it, it just feels like the right size. And um, I know this year I got okay. I got to drink plenty of beers. I was I was well done. I had to go back. I could be I had to be sent back to my condo actually after the commercial tasting and uh, go take a little bit of a snooze to sleep it off a little bit. So you're funny. You know, we tell all the brewers in advance that if somebody asks you to go get something to eat, please just do it. Yeah. And I think that, that that's, you know, one of those things is when you're when you're done owning it and, and just being done, 
save the soul. And it's uh, it's kind of, you know, impressive. The number of people were, were 1,900 would be sold out and um, in that space. And I, I think the fact that we have had so few security issues for the last five, seven years. Yeah. And just is admirable and is a tribute to all of the people who attend. And somebody told me that Big Beer's kind of polices itself um, because nobody wants to see that Yahoo, and so the Yahoos control the Yahoos for the most part. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, that, what yeah. did you think of the new Falling Rock? I liked that setup. I went over there on, I want to say, Friday night. I was wandering around and, uh, and found myself over there randomly. I don't even remember what I was doing. I, I ran into a few of the guys from like Chain Reaction and was just shooting the breeze with them and like I thought that little pop-up spot was pretty cool and it, yeah okay. it's just a really cool area and in that little part of like the wing of the hotel and everything it just it looked cool and it had that it kind of brought that vibe back like where like you like yeah, I think during the the intent of it was to recreate that fireside bar that was at Cascade and it yeah, it kind of had that vibe to it good that's where we're trying to go and it's it's a difficult target to hit because we're not always sure because we never had to worry about it before when is it busy Um, we wanted to have music because that was so well received everybody loved that Um, but you know when do we schedule them because we've never we've never had to do that yeah so there were a couple of new things and having digital pour there to do the digital menus and um, again with the app was was really kind of I think a nice touch to make it feel more official yeah absolutely even though it was you know in a different wing of the of the of the hotel of Beaver Run, it still felt very much like you know a part of the the, the uh, festival. And whether that was in spirit, just because you know it's uh, you know the Falling Rock folks are very much ingrained in the Colorado, you know specifically Denver. But there, I still feel like their their presence is well known enough that they're known around Colorado. That it, it just kind of fits that spirit of big beers. And even though it's not Colorado specific, it's held here in Colorado. A good you know amount of breweries are from Colorado and. Uh, it just it felt right to me. Good, good. Well, you know, Chris and and his team from the Falling Rock have been super supportive for years and years. So to to make them an integral part of a like focused featured destination totally yeah. makes sense from that perspective. And to bring in Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine as a sponsor also was a really good fit. So it just felt like it made sense. And we just wanted to do our best to try to get the the word out to everybody that it would be there because getting people to find it is always the first step. Yeah, and it's kind of one of those things. Once people do figure out where it is in relate, you know, in relation to where everything else is, it's it's easy enough to get back. It's especially if it's someone's first time over there at Beaver Run. It's you know you're trying to acclimate to the space and figure out where everything is. And I, I'm really terrible. I'll admit I'm terrible with directions. Like I, I couldn't find my way out of a plastic box if, if uh, it just got <laughs> spun around on me. I'm not. I, yeah, it's, it's bad. So, <laughs> I'm a landmark, landmark person. So once I see that landmark, uh-huh. like, oh shit. Yeah, okay. I know where I am. Not this is now where I need I, to go. Yeah. I'm good. So well, so are you finding your way around between the seminars? Because that's definitely also one of those uh, <laughs> yeah. get to know the space missions yeah and uh you know i'll admit last year there was a few i i scooted into like at the last minute just because i was trying to figure out where the hell the room was um but mm-hmm. this year um i i thought there was a, i either i got lucky or the just there was a really good amount of staff set up to help direct us where we needed good. to go and now that i'm starting to get familiar with the location i kind of know where the rooms were and stuff and um mm-hmm. all the sessions i went to they were also really well attended too so i accidentally went into a session I wasn't even intending to. I went into uh, 
oh man, who was it? I think it was Jester King and... Side Project, uh-huh. Uh, no, it wasn't the Black Project one. It was uh, one of the other guys. Side Project. Yes, Side Project. Thank you. Um, and I thought I was going to the Spicy Food Seminar. And I, I walked into this one. They started talking like, oh, I went to the way wrong one. But it, it ended up being fine. It was an, it was a, like a great, great uh, seminar. And I saw some people I knew in the front row anyway there. So I sat down and, and uh, enjoyed that. But um, yeah. That it, must it, have been tasting the native yeast, native culture. I think that was it. Yeah, that sounds about right, because we were trying a bunch those of different of those two beers. Fantastic. Yeah. What else did you go? I did the uh, the Good Bugs with Jensen Cummings and that whole panel of, of awesome brewers uh-huh. and John from, uh, uh, oh gosh. Inland Island? Yes, Inland Island. I should know that, because I've had him on my show. Sorry, John. That was oh, no not worries. bad. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that one was fun, and that one was cool, too. They had that kimchi and... Um, I mean, they had Chad Jacobson and uh, Troy Casey and uh, mm-hmm. all these other guys that are, you know, really well known for the beers that they make that are all using good bugs and, and stuff like that. So that one was a lot of fun. That was right. that was the first one I ended up making it. I didn't make it in time for the Hazy IPA seminar on Saturday morning. So mm-hmm. uh, Experimental brewing. Yeah, yeah. We were just, just I think we we're the last people... We're the first people in line that were at the cutoff point, so almost oh, made gotcha. it, but not quite. So not quite. Well, Niall was your fourth panelist for Good Bugs, and he um, sounds like he's going to lead a a water and barley wines um, experimental brewing session next year. Oh, interesting. Um, so I'll be curious to hear you guys. You know, kind of get used to what Niall is doing way over in California. Yeah, and uh, uh, actually, I think that's probably why I couldn't quite think of his name. But I haven't had that much exposure to uh, him and his brewery yet, so uh, mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to he's, learning more about them. And He's stuff. pretty much a one-man show. Oh, really? Okay. Um, yeah, his, the brewery's name is Mad Fritz. Okay. His kids are Madeline and Fritz. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, awesome. There you go. Um, but he also makes wine, so it's interesting. David Arthur, I think, is the name of the winery. Okay. Uh, but he, he came on board as a um, chase from Prairie, uh, drafted him last year for the session where everybody brewed the same beer across the country in different places and talked about the native yeast and the native water and all of the um, brewing locally and yeah. how different the same beer can be all around the country. And Niall was brought in on that one, as and so last year was his first uh, first big beers, and he was back again with Jensen, and now he's excited to contribute to experimental brewing next year. So um, we're just pleased to have him on board. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, yeah, that's interesting that he does wine and beer. That's yeah, that'd be fascinating to talk to him to kind of get his impression of how he does both. If you know tactics or you know whatever, something from one of those industries kind of bleeds into his practice with the other, and that sort of mm-hmm. thing. So. Hopefully, uh, his well, experimental brewing session his might name down or email me, and I, I'll send you his contact. He's he's a good guy. Yeah, right on. I'll definitely do that. So, do you? I mean, is that is that just kind of like a happy side product, or do, do a lot of these sessions that show up in the following year kind of, uh, I don't know, either take form or cement themselves kind of like that? You know, this far in advance. Um. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. Um. Sometimes I'm kind of digging, like the. We really wanted to do something with New England IPAs, and I started out thinking, 
Well, let's try what we did for uh, Smoke's beers and see if we can find the founders of those of that style, and you know, try to find the people who who really originated those techniques and and came up with that sort of thing. And we had uh, Jeff Larson and um, um, Ray from the Cicerone World, Ray Daniels and okay. um, Ro Genzel that all came and talked about smoked beers and and had written books on smoked beers and, and all that kind of stuff. And that's one of the ways that we really like to showcase the style. Um, but in this case, you know, we, Big Beers doesn't really have a lot of links in New England, and the people that we were looking for weren't available or really don't know what we do. Sure. So we ended up um, reaching back into Colorado, and sure enough, um, Neil Fisher had not only an idea for what he could do, but had already started with... Um, Society of Brewing Chemists, or who it was that was already doing some work on the bitterness okay. measurements. And so he said, I want to move forward with this and do more of this and look further into this. And so he he headed it up and talked to um, New Belgium and drafted Ross and then drafted Cerebral and Outer Range to participate as well. And I have to say that, that I have heard more talk about that particular seminar um, I, probably more than anything else, although there were a couple of huge moments, like one of the beers that Adam or that Andy Parker brought with him from Avery, um, that I that I've been hearing a lot about too. But the experimental brewing this year got the buzz, and yeah. it was one of the very last to pull together, and the very last to say, "Okay, guys, what are you doing? <laughs> I, I, need, I need to tell the world. We need to put um, it on the. We need to put on the site. What's going to happen? <laughs> right." Right, and then there are some that are a couple of years out saying, hey, I want to do this. When do I have a slot that could be technical? Or when do I have a slot that could be a sensory workshop? Um, and then there are some like Dr. Nicole where she's just an amazing presenter with a very unique scientific approach to things. And we like to have that because she's um, engaging and presents things from a different perspective that we all need to really think about, mm-hmm. whether it's sensory or technical or how does your body work? Yeah. Um, how, how are you actually experiencing these things? So I'm happy to present her regularly, and, you know, what are you going to talk about is the question instead of who's going to present it. Yeah. Now, I went um, to her, so, uh, I was going to say, I went to her sensory workshop uh, last year uh, at, at, mm-hmm. um, for <clears throat> Big Beers and. I learned so much just from understanding what, like, aromas, like, aromas, you know, like, whatever it is, 80 or 90% of the flavor that you actually um, identify. Mm-hmm. So yeah. um, it really changed how I approach trying beer now. Like, I, I use her method of, like, holding my breath and or pinching my nose and, you know, actually getting what's the bitter, the sour, the actual sensations versus the aromas nice. and stuff. It's that one, was, that one was a cool one. I really enjoyed that one. That one was... Like I had a lot of Very nice. stuff that I take away and still think about on the regular from that one. Right, and I think that's the ultimate win, really, when it actually changes the way you perceive your own experience. Yeah, yeah. It it made me a better beer drinker, so I respect that. Anytime I can say I'm, I'm better at drinking beer than I was before, then um, I'm all for that. Awesome. Well, I'm sure she would love to have you be her personal testimonial. <laughs> <laughs> I will. She said she actually got some, some really good... Um, media coverage this year with regard to uh, people who attended and then followed up and wrote, she said, very, very good articles about a difficult subject. 
And then that was picked up again in Michigan before she was in Michigan. So she was pleased with us as a collective whole. <laughs> oh, awesome. So, yeah. Nice. Um, but I'm sure that you need to have a journey with wasabi peas because you missed that one. I did miss that one. And it's funny you say that. I have some wasabi peas on my table right now. I, I bought some yesterday at the grocery store. So I do love me some wasabi oh, peas. Well, um, if you haven't, you should pull up the Veil Daily and read the article that Krista Driscoll wrote about that seminar. Okay. And, and try it yourself. They used the wasabi peas instead of hot wings. Um, but it's interesting how Krista broke it down with a hot wings experience. Interesting. Okay. I'll definitely do that. Yeah. I'm always yeah, looking for another stuff. excuse to drink more or eat more wasabi peas, too. So <laughs> twist my arm there. There you go. Did you make it down to Main Street to do some of the affiliate events? I did not, actually. So um, I'm trying to remember the chain of events. Were. So on Saturday, I basically stayed in, to, in, in our condo room, uh, our condo, uh, napping a little bit after, uh, after a boisterous afternoon. Um, mm-hmm. And Friday, we got in just in time for the um the welcome reception and nice. and then uh i had to go get into our condo and load our stuff and uh we we did another podcast i did one with uh tristan and the porch drinking crew uh with oh, with, with neil and uh from uh weldworks Work. and mm-hmm. uh matt from firestone walker so i was kind nice. of on the go 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 all day friday and then uh saturday got up went to some sessions Went to the commercial tasting and then uh, was was snoring in my bed early, early, early. Unfortunately, but I I, I have to appreciate that. I know that when I get to the six thirty seven o'clock range and everybody's finally clearing out of the commercial tasting, the last thing I want to do is be social. So for me, peeling up plastic and throwing things away and doing basically mindless sing along with the music is just fine. <laughs> that's that's a good enough time. I will say I am mm-hmm. sad I didn't get down to Main Street at all because I do love like downtown Breck. Uh just I I've I've been there a few times skiing or not. Mm-hmm. And I just I think it's got a cool vibe and it's got a lot of cool little spots and someone made a comment that I I don't disagree with is the way Breck is set up and with all the different like venues and you know restaurants and and little tap rooms and all that stuff, you know, there, people are kind of thinking that it might start to, they, they might start to see in the future a lot more like of a, a secondary, I guess, festival, if you will, of events that are going on around the event. Um, mm-hmm. And that's something that, that I've been noticing the last three, four years with GABF is there's tap takeovers, there's this, that, there's special tappings, there's all sorts of stuff going on. And I think Breck has the, the capacity and the uh, like kind of what you mentioned earlier, the transportation, whether it's the free shuttle or the fact that they actually have Uber and Lyft up there now that people can get to different parts of Breck and uh, get to these events really easily too. So I'll be interested in seeing how that kind of develops in the coming years in that area. Well, that's going to be an interesting one for me too, because that, that kind of success breeds its own challenges in terms of, you know, Breckenridge really wanted us to integrate not just in Beaver Run, but around town. And so we truly took that to heart and said, okay, if you guys, breweries, want to create some events, we will market it for you. We'll call it affiliate events if you make the, you know, that extra little bit of effort to make it educational or charitable or, um, you know, food pairings or, you know, something that's going to elevate the experience. 
and now that we've got two dozen plus of those events, the question is, are we going to end up kind of cannibalizing our own events, the core events? So it kind of returns to us then to become that much more creative in keeping what we do fresh enough and interesting enough and um, just good enough to compete with the things that are being invented downtown. Yeah, you don't want to so, create your own uh, competition right there right, in the same city, right? right? And that doesn't make it less successful. It's still becoming more successful, but we have to up our game even more. We can't just say, same as last year. Yeah. Um, we need to bring in some new events, or we need to dial things in. And I think we're going to see a little bit of a um, departure from the more formal events for more impromptu, wandering, stop-in, stop-out kinds of events. So I think we're going to see in our evolution... Mm-hmm. Just as we're fitting ourselves more to the culture that our new home has that's different from what we saw in Vail, mm-hmm. I think we're going to see fewer people wanting to do the formal dining events and more people wanting to do a stop and taste. Yeah, sure. Kind of just a, a pop-in, pop-out, pop-in taste and, and, and move-on type thing almost. Right. right. Yeah. Like last year, I know Opre had a rollout with Odell for an, a new beer of theirs. And in order to make it an affiliate event, Brian stopped by at one of the local cheese shops and did a cheese pairing with them and had the cheese available at Opre. So you could come and taste the new beer that was being rolled out. You could also elevate the experience with the cheese pairing and stay and visit and learn about it and then you know move on to the other events. Yeah, sure. So do we want to do more of those kinds of things and maybe fewer of the formal five-course dinner Certainly, it's more affordable mm-hmm. to just stop in, um, but we don't want to lose what Big Beers is either. So, again, we're kind of walking that, I don't want to say fine line, but walking that exercise of what is Big Beers. We don't want to lose that. Yeah, it's it's kind of like a new phase in the in the evolution of, of the festival. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, what, how uh, how it comes out at the end, I, I'm I'm pretty confident you'll, you know, you'll do what, what uh, whatever needs to be done and it'll be the right thing to do, so... Um, I know. hope so. I'm glad you have faith because it's a little bit of a horseshoes and hand grenades thing where you just kind of yeah. throw something at the wall and see if it sticks. Yeah. Well, I'm, yeah. And in the short time I've been, you know, coming to the festival and stuff, it's it like I said, it's been top notch. So um, I no, I you. I am excited regardless. So this does so actually it's... lead me into a question I did have down. Okay. Um, were there any? I guess, uh, were there any major changes or differences in the festival this year that, you know, you kind of realized immediately last year in that, in that first year when you were at BRAC where, where you're like, okay, let's, this needs to change or you don't have to say anything specific, but were there any like major or, or, or significant things that were like, all right, this worked well in the Vale. It's not so much working here in BRAC. Let's alter this aspect of something. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, the, the fireside conversion to the Falling Rock pop-up is, is, was number one. Um, mm-hmm. That was the number one most received um, complaint slash I miss slash can we please have. Yeah. Um, so this was our attempt at what if we do this? Is this something that resonates with everybody? Um, we got a resounding yes on that, and we'll continue to work on dialing that in. Um, we also... 
Uh, last year I did have maps of the commercial tasting, but they didn't get put out, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> and when they did, the key for the map was not out, oh, so it wasn't worth a whole lot. So <laughs> this year between the new app and a very thorough map and um, like signs on the walls that told you which direction was what as far as trying to find things, yeah. I think with the new navigational First of all, like you said, everybody having been there once, so you have a better idea of how to get around. Mm-hmm. Um, but adding these additional elements and layers of navigation ability um, will really help. And we also split the entrance because last year trying to get volunteers and VIPs and media in at 2 o'clock in the same entrance where we were trying to do general admission and will call at 2.30. Yeah. Um, was was kind of a disaster. So to split the entrance and have the volunteers and the VIPs and the media go in at two downstairs in the lobby and just do a quick you know twenty minutes to get in on that lower level, we're spreading the attendees out between the two levels and we're also avoiding the traffic jam upstairs. Yeah, I, I liked so. that too. Actually, thinking back to to that experience from both from both years. It was mm-hmm. it was super nice, and you know we got to wander around and kind of even scope out the 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 lay of the land a little bit more too to kind of figure out all right, try to plot our course more or less that way. With uh, right, we roughly know who's downstairs, we know who's upstairs. You know the app will tell us, but seeing is also half of remembering where everyone is in the first place. So uh, right, right, and you know we decided to sign a little spotlight on the Breckenridge Alley. I kind of nicknamed that back hallway <laughs> downstairs so that people could understand that there were people there and that that was the fastest way between floors. Um, But to kind of come back to your question, one of the things this year that we will change for next year is I had a bunch of people say, we want the seminars to be done before the early admission to the commercial tasting. So we want the seminars to be done before 2 o'clock so that we don't have to worry about, do I go to the second seminar in the afternoon or do I skip it so that I can get in early? Sure. If you're a volunteer or a VIP or in the media, that half an hour is pretty awesome. Yeah, absolutely. So you don't really want to miss it. And so we were next year we're going to move experimental brewing up to nine o'clock, so a half an hour earlier, um, so that we can finish the second seminar third, I guess, if you count experimental in the morning. Yeah, sure. Of the day, we'll finish then at one thirty-five instead of two o five. Okay. So that'll make it a lot easier for everybody involved to be back on the floor if you're a brewer presenting um, to make it down to that early um, admission if you are you know volunteer media or VIP so to be able to facilitate these changes as a response to what we're hearing I think is really important you know people don't like making decisions anyway so you're just gonna take that right out of the equation for them that's that's perfect isn't that nice of me? <laughs> it's super nice of you. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> well, I really think everybody should go to the seminar. So if we can make it easier for everybody to do that, that would be great. Yeah, I mean, that's that's hands down one of my favorite things is is going to the seminars. And, you know, I've met a lot of great people at them. And like I said, I've learned a lot of great things there, too. So, you know, I, I like Good. to joke around about a lot of things. But, you know, when I am learning new things about craft beer and just beer in general and stuff. It's, it's fascinating to me. I do love this stuff. So, um, well, good. And I think that's part of what makes big beers different. Yeah, it is 100%. In my opinion, that's, 
the 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 main driver i think that that uh differentiates it from anything else i've done festival wise everything else is just all right come in drink to your can drink no more and then get a lift home bye-bye so, and you're done yeah. Yeah, yeah well and we really we talk about do you want to expand big beers anymore and honestly for each event that already exists the answer is no we don't want it to be any bigger do yeah. we want to potentially add events or switch events out sure if we if if we have the demand and people will come on Wednesday, then maybe we add a few more events on Thursday and have people start coming in on Wednesday night. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. The... Um, but there's no there's no sense in making the commercial tasting bigger because then it loses its specialness. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I know in the past we've we always kind of do a, a third segment of different kind of goofy questions since this is your third time on the show i'm going to mix it up a little bit and uh i'm going to go for a little bit more specific to to the festival and and ask something more along the lines of now that you've done what was this the 17th or 18th year doing this this was 18 yeah that's why i thought 18 so now that your festival can legally vote smoke and (laughs) go to war uh what are some of the strangest things that you've like encountered whether it's you know organizational stuff logistical stuff or just a a wtf moment on the floor when something's happening like that you've seen in 18 years i imagine you've seen some shit in in the last 18 years i have um (laughs) how how much of it's shareable Uh, (laughs) that's fair that would that would be the question um well, I, I remember trying to explain to somebody this year why we have the no bottle sharing rule in the commercial tasting. Okay. And that started in year like three when there was a gentleman at the end of the commercial tasting that tried to, tried to smuggle out a stolen three-liter bottle of Arrogant Bastard <laughs> under his coat. That's not a small and- bottle. <laughs> It didn't fit, right? Yeah, naturally. <laughs> um, so that that was kind of one of those moments where you wonder, really, really, what are people thinking? I didn't realize that um, rule originated that long ago. That that's uh, that's practically you know from the start almost after oh, yeah. fifteen years. It, it it becomes painfully apparent that after for the brewers like six hours of drinking plus. Yeah. That the no bottle sharing rule just goes out the other side of the brain. It kind of leaks out somewhere. Yeah, it gets it gets gently tucked away somewhere where they just can't access that memory for the time being. Right. Right. And you know, we the people that have been coming for years and years and years, they know. They've been caught by surprise at the exit enough times that yeah. they know. And it's it's really because we do have a thrift problem. It's not because I don't like bottle sharing because I do. We just haven't figured out a great way to do it yet. And that's one of the things. Um, this year, for the first time, I did a an anonymous survey monkey survey for the brewers. Okay, cool. And said, you know, what what can we do? How can we make this work? How, how can we make this work for you? And I've actually had a couple people doing some serious brainstorming about what if we did this or what if we did that? Because they want a bottle share, too. Yeah, absolutely. So... We just have to figure out how to do that without the theft issue. Yeah, um, I know there's some hard like, because they'll lie through their teeth at that point in the evening. Yeah, he said I could. Well, he's standing right next to you, and he says he didn't. He's shaking his <laughs> so, head. Uh, sorry about that, buddy. <laughs> yeah, 
Oh, you didn't know who that was. No, that, that's who that was. <laughs> that's, um, yeah, that was someone that, that knows better. Sorry. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, one of the funnier ones, I'd have to say, I don't know why it comes back to security a good portion of the time, but that's where a lot of the funny stories come from. Yeah, that's where the altercations um, exist. <laughs> right, right. But in Vail, if you remember, um, there's a, a little cul-de-sac kind of at the top of the hill, and yeah. um, when you turn off the frontage road, that's where one of the police cars with the lights on would be stationed at the end of the event, mm-hmm. which is just a deterrent. Yeah, definitely. And it seems to work. Everybody focuses quickly. Um, but some one year, and I, I don't know honestly who it was, there were a couple of yahoos that decided to go up and throw themselves on the hood of the police car with the rotating light. <laughs> That's okay. That's a bad idea. For I can think of a few thought, different reasons you know, why. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I couldn't tell you what you were thinking at that time. No, it, that's... It just, that's pretty good, though. That's I, I assume there was, uh, yeah, probably some, some, uh, some words and possibly handcuffs involved with that one. That's, uh, <laughs> no. yeah. I don't, I don't really know even what the upshot was. I just know that somebody actually did that. Maybe they um, were trying to do like a cool hood slide from like a '70s movie or an '80s action movie, and it just went terribly, terribly wrong because it, it could have. Beer affects it, it really your dexterity, and we all forget that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I know occasionally we've had, I, actually a couple of different years, there have been some WTF moments with people who didn't plan far enough ahead to allow for their bladder. Oh, no. <laughs> that sucks. There's no uh, yeah. cool way to come back from that, that accident. Just uh... No, no. Um, but, you know, it's, it varies from being outside somewhere in the middle of snowdrifts after having too much alcohol and people saying, hey, you know, I'm part of security and part of my job is to make sure you don't wander off in the cold. Yeah. I don't, you know, I understand you needed to use the bathroom, but it's not this way. Yeah. Um, the line's not that bad. You can hold it a little longer, right? Well, to that point, one of the awesome things about Breckenridge is the indoor bathrooms. Yeah. And the number of people who have said, oh, hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was one of those people. Plumbing is amazing. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but in the Marriott, for whatever reason, potted plants and oh no, people who felt like they needed to go to different floors to find bathrooms and didn't make it. Oh boy, yeah. I, I don't. Yeah, there are some some serious moments where you wonder where they checked their brain at the door. Yeah, it turns into kind of a Where's Waldo of people trying to take a pee. I guess see uh, mm-hmm. where they end up. Yeah, it's it's always an interesting adventure. But oh. I, I prefer that I never find out, honestly. <laughs> right, that's uh, that's ignorance is bliss for certain there. But mm-hmm. you know, you figure you get a couple really? thousand people rounded up, and they're all drinking some some fine strong beverages, and some zaniness is bound to happen. It's like a trailer for a movie, right there. Uh, one would think yes, and we always try to have the bread out, and we always try to do the food coupon, and we always yeah. try to soak up alcohol in whatever way we can, but. It, it might eventually need to exit. Yeah. Well, it's uh, time will tell, right? That'll be the, the true test there. See how yes. See how people keep behaving themselves. Luckily, you know, I'm glad to hear. I actually didn't really know that there, there was usually a low incident rate, so I'm glad to hear because, I mean, I've never really seen any, anything go down during the tasting and Good. stuff, and 
it seems like kind of like you said, everyone's kind of like, hey, if you start to get a little out of line, they'll slap you in the back of the head and it's like, hey, straight, straighten up. You're, you're being an idiot. So, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, if everybody looks at you funny, you're like, ooh, I guess maybe that wasn't cool. <laughs> yeah. Instead of having that dopey grin, you're like, oh, maybe I am being an asshole, so I should just, mm-hmm. I should just stop. Yeah. So. Well, and I'm lucky that I have a little bit of an older, more responsible demographic and a little yeah. bit of a, that's why we do white tablecloths. I mean, you want to elevate the feel of the event to the point where it feels like you're supposed to behave. Yeah, yeah. Um, just just and, don't make it black tie, because then I probably won't be allowed back in. What's that? I said, just don't make it black tie ever. Then I'll I'll, I'll have trouble being being allowed in. Oh, uh, well, I'm sure everybody would find a way to do that. <laughs> I do have a couple of tuxedo t-shirts, so as long as those are cool, then I'll be there. There you go. Well, you know, the mountain formal thing is always jeans, and you can dress the top up. Yeah, that's true. So, it's it's really not too much of a stretch. Maybe some nice cowboy hats would surface. There we go. Some good, some fancy bolos. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But it's it's been an interesting, interesting adventure. We have some interesting cigar stories every year. Last year, it was, what, minus 20 with the wind chill or something, the night everybody was oh, smoking cigars really? and pairing oh, them man. with beer. I didn't know that. I, yeah. I, I haven't made it to the cigar pairing in a, in a few years, but... Uh... Yeah, that sounds miserable. Minus 20 with wind. Even without wind, it's probably pretty damn cold. There were some hardy souls. Um, but interestingly enough, um, this year the cigar pairing team brought in, they compiled some uh, formal written pairing suggestions and some educational stuff oh, awesome. ahead of time. And I was really excited to see that. And I learned a lot just reading that flyer myself as well. Um, so I think that there's they're bringing more of a formal education angle to it which i think is welcome yeah absolutely i mean i i I had a friend back home in michigan who who was the only person that ever even like kind of gave me information on cigars and i I would just kind of grab cigars willy-nilly and be like all right i'm smoking a cigar woo!" and he you know explained like light versus dark rolls and stuff like that so yeah you know if anything if education gets involved then i'm all i'm interested in that especially just because Mm -hmm. For me personally, the more I understand about stuff, the more I'm able to appreciate it because it's it's less of a mystery and less just like, hmm, I think I like this because I just like this. It's, right. oh no, it's, right. I prefer light rolls. They don't make elements. me feel as ill. It's and great. To talk about the different kinds of tobacco and then the different kinds of wrappers and the different kinds of, there's some other wrapping piece. To talk about those three variables and then to talk about the flavors of those versus the flavors of the beard, how to work it whole different element whole different science well laura thanks again for joining us and thank you again for letting us come this year i'll uh really appreciate your support and you guys taking the time to come up um i'm glad it's a treat i I have some people that say it's better than christmas and i want to make it (laughs) as good as christmas as much as we can well i appreciate you letting us come back and uh and doing our thing up there it's always a good time awesome well thank you we'll look forward to seeing you in 2019 sounds good Thanks for listening to the Beer and Loathing Podcast. You can find us on our website, www.beerletternloathing.com. And you can find us on all the social medias. Facebook is backslash Beer Letter and Loathing. And then Instagram and Twitter are both at symbol Beer Letter and Loathing. And then find us on YouTube where you can see a weekly chug and some news. And our YouTube channel is Tune In Get Drunk. So that's youtube.com backslash Tune In Get Drunk. I know it's different. I'm sorry. Sometimes change is inevitable.
Until next time, goodbye.